Welcome to this special edition of the Stand Alone podcast. This episode is releasing on Mother's Day. Like Christmas, Mother's Day is another of those occasions where we find ourselves surrounded by advertising and products galore that celebrate mothers and motherhood. For people growing up with distant or tenuous relationships with people who play the role of a mother, or for people whose mothers were absent in their lives, it's another one of those annual days you need to push through year on year. So, for this special episode, the charity's founder and CEO, Becca Bland, wanted to do something different. Becca met with Robin and Emma, also known as blogging duo All Up In My Space, who have started a social media initiative called Others Day. Hear the journey behind the creation of Others Day, and hear their stories, their experiences, and how you too can flip the narrative of this day and celebrate people who played an other role in your life. I'm really, really excited to be here at this special edition of the Standalone podcast with the girls from Others Day, or I should say girls, they're women. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Robin Donaldson, and I am one half of All Up In My Space and one half of the Others Day creators. And I'm Emma, the other half of blogging duo All Up In My Space, and together we run the Others Day initiative on Instagram and on our blog. Brilliant. Do you guys want to just let me know a little bit about what Others Day is? We are both in the position that Mother's Day is quite difficult for us. Emma lost her mum. I lost my nan, who was in everything but DNA, my mum. And we found it quite an oppressive day. And I think escalating from when we lost those people because it's it's so based in marketing now. You can't get away from that if you switch to television and if you look at emails and things. So we wanted to make a space where people could acknowledge the difficulty of that day, feel supported, share messages of that support or messages about their experience and just feel like they were represented on that day without shitting all over Mother's Day. So I think that so many people who are listening to this may have issues with Mother's Day for so many different reasons. Like, it's totally possible you guys might have lost somebody or it might be also that you're estranged from your mother, which is really typical and common in our community. How are you guys thinking about this? Like, are you including people that might not have lost people through death but also through estrangement? Yeah, we absolutely are. I don't want to speak for Robin in this situation. (laughs) So we welcome in anyone who doesn't have that traditional mum relationship. So it could be that you've lost your mum, it could be that you're estranged from your mum, it could be that you've lost a child or that you've miscarried or that you've been raised in care or a looked-after child. And for whatever reason, if you can't relate to that perfect mum moment, then Others Day is for you. And Robin has her own personal experience of estrangement. Yes, I am estranged and have been on and off throughout my adult life. Most recently, the longest term, so it's three years since I've spoken to my mum. It's very difficult. It's difficult to explain as well on Mother's Day. You can feel guilt for not acknowledging it, but also I don't think I've ever sent my mum a Mother's Day card because it felt so inauthentic but I did send them to my nan this day is not for me because I don't have those sentiments I don't have that relationship it's weird it's half bereavement half frustration got a match up on this day vibe 
I think there's a thing around Mother's Day marketing as well that sort of deifies that mother relationship. And I think when you're estranged, that relationship is so complicated anyway that around that time, it's almost like you are made to feel guilty for not cherishing and honouring that relationship, even though it isn't healthy for you to do so. I think as a society, we do that, especially on days like this, but just generally... There is no relationship that was treated and put on a pedestal in the way that the mother-daughter relationship is. And I think it is mother-daughter, actually. I don't even think it's necessarily mother-son. It's meant to be precious and there's nothing that comes above it and that bond is unbreakable. But at the end of the day, it's two individual human beings that might not work in harmony. Why then can people not accept that? I think there's a lot of stigma around, well, you should just love your mum, whatever well, you wouldn't love your husband, whatever, or you wouldn't mm. love your dad, whatever. Mm. So, yeah, sorry, I've gone straight into the stranger no, rant. <laughs> That's why we're here. So, like, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that it's a really, really difficult day because ultimately there's so much marketing and hyperbole around the messages. And so there's no cards even for, you know, like, if you don't want to send your mum, like, oh, you're the best mum in the world or your mum in a million or you just want to send something quite low-key, then it's very hard to find even that. So... Because there's levels of estrangement, then sometimes people are forced into sending messages that they might not necessarily want to send. Or it's one of those isolating moments where you realise, I don't have a mum to send these cards to. Or ultimately, then I suppose if you're on the mum side of things, you're not getting a card from those people who you may really, really wish that you got a card from. So I know that it must be such a challenging day. In terms of society, it's interesting to pick up on that little thing that you're saying there around the stigma. Have you personally experienced that and how have you experienced that? I absolutely have. And with good friends. I've explained the situation and I've always been, even when I was little, I've tried to not make my discomfort about the abuse I experienced my problem. So I've always shared it out because it felt less like a secret and less my responsibility to deal with because the abuse I received is not also my responsibility to deconstruct and look at. I can say to someone, this happened to me, I don't need to hold it in. But the reaction to that can be really negative. So most people will be really sympathetic or uncomfortable and be like, oh, I can't deal with this. But some people will be like, but she's your mum, you only get one mum. And I'm like, I am painfully aware of that. I understand that. But equally, I cannot maintain a relationship with someone who will go out their way to hurt me and come up with some really new and inventive ways to do that. Don't think I haven't tried everything. But it gets to the point where you can't keep yourself safe and have that person in your life. You say that to someone, they cannot compute it. It's that attitude of, oh, but one day, one day you'll you'll be fine. You just need to get this out of your system. And that's motherhood both ways. So Mm. if I say I don't want children, people go, oh, but one day you will. And it's like, no, I don't. I've never wanted children from being very young. It's never been something within my one day I'll be here, but people can't accept that you don't want to have a relationship with your mother, to be a mother. That is the trajectory of women, and it's so weird, and I think it's kind of the patriarchal society we live in that, well, that's the end game, isn't it? You look after your mum, you are a mum, you talk to your mum about being a mum, and it's like none of those things connect with my life choices and where I anticipate going. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting to talk about that from maybe a feminist perspective as well. Have you ever thought about that in terms of how we're not necessarily empowering women, I suppose, if we are just constantly keeping them in the motherhood cycle? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of conversation that's happening around this Mother's Day, actually. I've seen a few blog posts and things going out about women who've made the decision to live child-free or who haven't made the decision to live child-free but who are owning that identity and really finding ways to enjoy it. And I think there's loads of stigma attached to it. I'm in a relationship where we don't want to get married or have children, but people constantly ask us whether we want to get married and have children, when is it going to happen? And we have to really argue the point. I've stood with friends and had almost arguments about why I don't want to have children, why my partner doesn't want to have children, and been told, no, you're just afraid, you're just afraid. So your identity as someone who wants to live child-free is minimised massively by other people who... Mm want to have children. And that's not to say that I don't think having children is a wonderful yeah. thing. It's just not what I want in life. The best analogy I can think of, and it's my dad, obviously, because my whole family is full of trauma, is an alcoholic. And people don't like being around my dad in pubs and things, or, or they feel very uncomfortable because they feel like they judge his drinking. And I think people assume that if you don't have children, you judge their choices as a mother, or you judge their life choices. And it, it's ridiculous. I don't judge anyone. I think part of the reason I don't want to be a parent is it looks really, really, really hard. And I don't feel like I want that enough to give up my entire life for it, because that is what it's doing. And I respect that, I think. It's like doing three full-time jobs and I'm just not interested. But people think, well, if you don't do it, you don't like that I've done it. And it's like, no, I love that you've done it. Someone needs to be doing it or <laughs> there's no more of us. But yeah, people don't look outwards. They think, well, how does this reflect on me? Does this person think my choices are bad rather than thinking, oh, that's their choice. Doesn't make a difference to me. Right on, sister. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how it's hard to give people the freedom to live their lives as they really want to live them. And that there is this kind of set pathway almost that you need to take. And it's really hard to step out of that. And I think having a relationship with your parents or wider family members is a way of keeping on that path mm -hmm. and a way of almost conforming in some sense. But when, as you say, quite rightly, if you've had a really, really difficult, traumatic, abusive experience in your family, often there's just no choice you're not really left with a choice are you mm. I think that it's so so important to be able to give people the choice to be able to step away from those things and live their lives as they want to live them as we all have those rights to do that ultimately I think people attribute choice to situations they don't understand or can't empathize with so like LGBT is a choice trans is a choice it's not a choice these things aren't a choice but if you make it a choice it distances itself from mm. you and then you don't feel responsible for any way in the society that is around that. So if you can say, well, that's your choice and you do that, it's not my responsibility anymore. Yeah. That's why people do that. They drop a choice bomb on things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Particularly with that mum estrangement, I think it's very difficult for people who do have a very close mum relationship. I think it's very difficult for people to understand that that could ever not be the case. It's very yeah. difficult, like you say, for people to step out of that. And I understand that, but I do think it's only by talking to people who are outside of your day-to-day -day circle that you can ever really learn to empathise and integrate with other yeah. people. Mm. And who doesn't want that, right? Yeah. It's very hard for people, because like you say, they feel judged. It's the privilege. If you are in a position of privilege, 
you find it difficult to or do not want to look at anything else because that could shape what makes you mm. what makes you feel very lucky like oh this is amazing this is great mm. and you don't want to feel guilty because someone else has got it it's a complicated thing and i think people just like no i just can't deal with all the surrounding yeah. stuff i just focus on my thing mm. so i think a lot of people might know on the podcast from my story that i concealed the fact that i was estranged from my parents for a really long time for about four or five years and lied about it because i felt so much shame about kind of stepping off that traditional path of having contact and I'm just thinking about what you're saying there, that actually sometimes if we think it's unusual, it's maybe because people aren't talking about it yeah. and that it's something that is more common if perhaps people were just more honest about what their family lives were actually like. That's the whole reason that we started Other's Day. We put out a shout-out on Instagram about one brand who was doing Mother's Day opt-out for their email marketing and the response was overwhelming. So many people just stuck their heads up and went... Oh my yes. gosh, I feel the same. Every year when Mother's Day rolls around, I find myself crying in the aisles of Tesco because of all the marketing displays. And we just thought all of these people all over the country are just suffering in silence because they feel as though to speak out would be to take away from mums and would be to take away from that traditional celebration. So we just thought, well, why don't we just make those people feel okay about not feeling okay? Yeah and create a little safe space. Yeah. We were each other's safe spaces yeah. when we were going through our real terrible time. Mm. So we just think everyone else deserves to have that wherever possible, even if it's just on Instagram. Yeah. I have had messages from so, so many people that are like, yeah, 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 I'm in exactly the same position, but I just, like, they don't feel comfortable talking about it. But the majority of people I know and have a connection with on Instagram I've come back and gone, I'm not necessarily strange, but I have a very complicated relationship with my mother. It makes me feel bad. Yeah. And I think that is so much more common than we think. Mm -hmm. And people don't feel comfortable talking about it because one, you're an adult, should you feel bad? Should this affect you? Oh, is it a big deal? So I think we get very bogged down in that. And I think, like Emma said, the reception is amazing. To that one moment where we were like, oh, this is annoying, isn't it? And everyone was like, yeah, it's dreadful. And the only two negative people, and they were very much the, why can't it be called Christmas anymore? <laughs> why has it got to be called holidays? That kind of like, don't be a snowflake. And those people were ironically bereaved, but they couldn't look at it. I think yeah. some people are just like, don't make me look at my trauma pop it in the box which is also yeah. fine if people need yeah. to pop it in the box and people need to do their grief their way that is absolutely fine we don't want to force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do right but yeah. if there's a space there for people yeah. we hope people will come to yeah. it or oh, they did last year yeah. But so back to what you were saying there around looking at the safe space that you want to create. What is a safe space for people? What did you guys create with each other you think was really helpful? We did lots of drinking red wine. We went bowling. <laughs> That's um, not the format of what this time. It's not. So we were, we were young when our mum figures were both sick and dying of cancer. We were in our early 20s. So none of our other friends were going through it. So we really lent on each other in that time. But we were in our early 20s. So leaning on each other involved bowling and drinking red wine, which was really helpful for us yeah. at the time. We would meet up, we would have little chats, we would occasionally cry, which is a big deal for me because I do box all my emotions. Yeah. I'm um, sick up that wall. You were sick up that wall that time. <laughs> um, but it was about just having someone else who got it, who you didn't feel like you were putting upon. Yeah. Well, or performing for. Yeah, performing grief for. Yeah. And without Robin in that time, it would have been a much worse time. 
And what did you guys do with each other in terms of, did you confide in each other about everything? We dealt with it in our own individual ways. So my nan passed away quite a long time before your mum, right? Yeah. So I was like, right, I shall be dealing with this by talking about it constantly. Yeah. So when you don't perform with other people, then I guess, do you tell each other everything? Like, how did you suss out that you guys were a safe space for each other? What instigated you to tell each other that you were in a similar position? I think we were very drunk. <laughs> it was red wine, yeah. No, I think, and I know I sound like my dad, who is a level one hippie. I think that we give out something. Mm. Like, it's a sonar that says, I'm broken. Yeah and someone else hears it, and it's never spoken at first. So I've always, in my life, when it's been high trauma, come across people who completely get it, and you're like, but we never said that, but we connected before we ever shared our story. I think the human heart and stuff is far more complex than we give it credit for, and we're giving out these cues that aren't verbal. I think we were like, we're doing lots of jokes because we're broken inside, and we sort of hooked onto each other. And then one of us got drunk probably was like, like, oh shit, I've got to go home, my yeah. nan's ill. Your mum had been ill for longer than my Had she? Yeah, because my nan was only ill for a year start to finish. Was she? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So she was ill, chemo, then not remission, because I was like, you're in remission? She was like, I'm not in remission. I was like, it's remission. She was like, it's very much not remission. And then she got it again and it was like a month and then she was dead. I'm really sorry to yeah. hear that. It's really, really hard, isn't it? And yeah. I just want to ask you a question about that because yeah. I was in a similar position where my gran was my mother figure, really. Yeah. And like, she was so, so precious to me and she passed away a year ago. And it was a really, really hard loss. It almost felt like I had to grieve losing a mum. Yeah. But people didn't really understand it that way because they thought that when you lose a grandparent, it's just yeah. because they're old and that's what happens and that's life. Whereas I found it really, really crushing yeah. and it almost made me existentially break down loads and loads of stuff mm. and something that I just wanted to ask you was like how did it feel for you in terms of telling people that she was like your mother yeah. figure did you do that the people that I were very close to just got it straight away so there was a lot of flowers from close friends and like visits and like we get it but I do still feel like I have to have a tagline for my nan which is that was my nan she was like my mum because people don't get it, they're just like, she's a grandparent. But my nan was 36 when I was born, you know, she was parent age. And not only was she an amazing nan and mother figure who we lived with on and off and kind of scooped us when my parents were being berserk, symbolically, to me, psychologically and emotionally, she was so important because she was a safe space that would take me away from the abuse, that gave me a chance to have a mother figure, that felt so enormous. When you feel like you've not got that elsewhere and then someone gives that to you, it's so precious and you're like, oh my God, this is everything. And then when she died, I was just like, what do I do? And I felt like a child. I felt very unsafe. Mm. I can completely empathise with you and I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I know it's not like a grief competition, but I think there was so much extra as well and I think everyone has the extra stuff because of its circumstance but it felt like there was a lot of stuff to navigate not just the bereavement but about my nan meaning something and like the rug being pulled out from under me and just wanting people to know I just wanted people to know she was like a mum but I also couldn't say that in front of family members so like at the time I wasn't speaking to my mum because my mum was so terrible when she was in the hospice she did some real big bads and then I was speaking to her 
and then I wasn't speaking to her. But when I was speaking to her, I didn't want to say I've lost my mum because she'd lost her mum. Mm. And me saying I've lost my mum was saying you were never a mum to me. Yeah. And and so I didn't want to hurt her. So that was very hard. So I could speak to friends about I'm under now. My family predominantly got it, but it was like a whisper that we couldn't say mm. around my mum. And everyone was like, yeah, I know that she was actually, but. And this is a thing with estrangement. I think you always feel the sense of responsibility to the person that you're not seeing yeah. anymore. On a much smaller level, I'm estranged from my stepdad, who was my mum's partner. I still have this huge guilt. I didn't even realise that that was called estrangement until like this year. <laughs> but you do, and I feel that guilt. And that feeling that you had the need to protect your mum, who had abused you your whole life, emotionally and physically, isn't that ludicrous yeah. that we have that? And we're told that you should value those parent relationships above all else, mm. above your own personal safety yeah. and well-being in that time of grief. Yeah. Estrangement has given me the distance. I still occasionally freak out. Like, if there's something high-profile that I know she might see, I'm like, oh, I don't want to hurt her. But equally, I can't hold the burden of responsibility for her actions against me because that's just doubling down on the abuse mm. I experienced. So... I've had the distance, and I'm sure you find it similar. Once you've got the distance, you can just get some perspective, and it's not so overwhelming. Yeah, I just remember the sense of space that I found of not constantly having to go back to these really unaffirming messages and like really difficult, complex, toxic relationships where I never got what I needed from a parent. I never got that loving, supportive, unconditionally accepting environment from which to like grow from. And I remember keeping going back and trying to find it and it's almost like I was trying to wring out a cloth and I was like where is it it must be in there somewhere it must be me it must be me not being yeah. able to sense it and not being able to find it and it's only after like years of work and therapy and healing especially through yoga that I've managed to be like well look I definitely couldn't get what I needed from that and it was fine to need what I needed mm -hmm. and that's not something to be ashamed of yeah. ultimately and I've forgiven them for not being able to give it to me because they had their own stuff going on that they didn't want to look at and couldn't really understand my needs yeah. ultimately yeah the point you make about forgiveness as well is so freeing the moment you go you're a person you were flawed my mum's a narcissist she cannot see what's happening she only sees poor me this is awful why is everyone dreadful to me and when i could see that and go you've got your own shit i forgive you for that but i can't let you in because you continue to be it's like letting someone out of prison if they're still a risk to society. She's still a risk to my mental society. So she can't come out of prison, but I'm like, I forgive you for it, but please don't come around to my house. There is a bit of me that can be responsible for this that can go, if I do this, it's quite difficult. I'm going to feel better about the situation and sort of both open and close the door. Yeah. Yeah, I found it immensely freeing to forgive. And then when I've always told people about that forgiveness process, then they've always been like, oh, so you're going to reconcile. And it's like these two things that just come in together hand in hand. It's like, oh, well, if you've forgiven, you can be back in relationship with them. And I was like, no, I've forgiven them. Just because I've forgiven them doesn't mean what happened was acceptable or right. It just means that I've left it as it is and I'm not live in that trauma anymore. I've chosen to leave that behind me and move on. But some people find that really hard to get their head around of like so is there going to be a new relationship are you going to go and get in touch with them are you going to write them a letter and I was like no I think I've just done the work that I've needed to do to be able to leave that situation yeah. behind peacefully and not be consumed by the anger of not getting what I needed from a parent mm. ultimately yeah 
Do you have siblings? No, I don't have siblings, so I'm an only child. I've got good relationships with other people in my family, which is thankful, you know, like I'm really grateful for them. But yeah, it can be challenging. (laughs) Do you find that the relationships that you've created around yourself, like Robin, you've created a relationship with lots of very stable people, like your husband, Jamie, is a very stable, calm person. I'm very calm. Like I feel like a lot of the people that you've surrounded yourself with have created this little ecosystem and stability for you is it the same for you yeah I found what I've built is like a family of friends and some of them aren't friends actually some of them are ex-teachers and people that have been really important and key in my life who I've managed to have really really strong relationships with some of them who've helped me through some of the hardest times where I guess a parent would normally help you through like you know people who've been there when my relationships have broken down with like boyfriends and people who've been there like ultimately for me during my life And I think it's really, really important to have a sense of family, but I don't think it's essential for that family to be relatives. And that's where I think sometimes we get a bit mixed up because just because people are blood-related doesn't mean they're going to be family for you. And that, I think, has been such a freeing thing to be able to realise that I did always have a family. They were all around me, but I just couldn't tap into them because I had that perspective that actually it should be these blood relations that are giving me what I kind of need from family. Oh, we've got a... (laughs) To your point, if you watch any nature documentary, or, like, I was brought up, my grandparents were farmers. Sometimes a mother will not accept their child. It's just nature. It's just there will not be that connection. So we're just animals. Secondly, absolutely on creating these really intense female relationships, I think teachers are so underrated when it comes to, like, the emotional support they give. So I got a scholarship to a posh school. Like, subconsciously, I was like, I need this structure. I'm going to go to this school where everyone tells me what to do all the time. Um, And then railed against it completely. I was like, I'm not doing my homework. But there would be a large proportion of teachers would be like, can we please throw her out? She's not doing any work. And then there would be one teacher who would just get it subconsciously and often become apparent that they'd had a strained relationship with their mother. And they got why I was acting the way I was. And were really supportive and amazing and maternal to me and I still maintain some of those relationships they're still incredibly important to me like my university lecturer I call mummy bear <laughs> friends mums so there's people who hear it and latch onto it and I think that is invaluable and I think I would have sank without that support and I'm so grateful to all those people for just getting it and sweeping in and just seeing these subconscious messages like children don't act out just because they're screaming for something yeah. and you can provide that and I think people don't appreciate the teachers that's a big part of their job is also providing an emotional support for children who are in turmoil yeah. and I'm very grateful that they did I've been back to school for my little brother surprise day and, and I was just like thank you so much and they were like you were awful at your timetable I was like yeah I didn't care I didn't care but I know they get it now. I see that they get why I was where I was and I'm just so grateful that they took the time to... I think it's that thing that you were saying earlier. It's about if you have a moment of discomfort with someone, especially with a child, because they're acting out, if that child is doing something that spikes you or that makes you feel a certain way, it's about not just saying this child is being loud and therefore I'm angry with that and I need to squash it. It's about saying, why am I having that reaction to this child? Why could that child possibly be acting out in this way? And it's the same with adults, right? Not just always thinking, I don't like the way this is happening, but thinking what could have caused that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, a lot of people don't act out. Some people really act out and some people don't act out and go like really quiet and studiously into their work and that's how they bury themselves in those things. So I know certainly I feel that it's kind of everyone's got a very different way of coping when they're a kid with all these kinds of things. And school is such an important way of picking it up. I think I kind of in my own life went through this experience because I wasn't from like the wrong side of the tracks, as it were that I wasn't from like a really poor home that I was never thought of that that would be a risk for me so that meant that a lot of the things and signs that perhaps I was displaying weren't picked up because of basically what the status of like the family lovely middle-class family everyone's fine nothing untoward could be happening here yeah and I think probably maybe being the only child you don't see the difference you don't see that this is not normal like I could see that my little brother didn't experience the treatment that I had so I knew it was weird but I think if you're on your own in isolation you'd be like well just this is how parents are you know yeah and that must be really tough and it's hard I think for families to really fully face when something's really wrong and I think there was signs there and I knew that other people in the family were recognizing those signs and were telling me oh she's just not a very maternal person and you know she never really wanted kids and they were telling me these things when I was a kid you know and you're like yeah so people could see it and recognize it but nobody had I suppose like the kind of wherewithal to take any action or even I think the help because I think what they really needed was someone to come in and help ultimately and sort it out and so that people didn't want to overstep their relatives and they don't want to get involved and interfere and they didn't want to mess their own relationships with those people up so I think it is really important that I think more families understand that outside help isn't necessarily interference but it can be really supportive because I fully think that our relationship my estrangement could have really been prevented if there had been the right intervention and support during my like early teenage years and I think then we would have been in a very very different position but it's hard isn't it to kind of get over that stigma of that if you're having an intervention it's interference yeah I agree I think my family, as supportive as they were, there wasn't really an acknowledgement of what was going on. Because from my grandparents, my God, he feels responsible in a way he cannot articulate for the way my mum behaves. So to acknowledge the abuse is to acknowledge his part in it. Mm. So he just can't... And they'll be like, oh, it's your mum. She's very young when she had you. She's jealous of you. And it's like, all of these things are really interesting that you've thought this. But also, and I don't know about you, sometimes you're so angry, like, why didn't you... Why aren't I important enough that you called that out and said, stop doing this right now? But people look at it within the context of their relationship. For example, my mum, the reason I'm estranged now is because she can't control me physically and she can't really control me mentally. And she knows that I'm just like, well, you're on the periphery of my life. And she's very envious of the very close relationship I have with my dad. And constantly as a teenager, she'd be like, tell her, tell her, Andy, tell her. I'd be like, what? And then one day at a family wedding, at which she got drunk and had a brawl with her husband, my uncle, I was like, what is she shouting this at me for? I was like 17, I was like, why is she shouting at me for? And he was like, she does, she's implying your dad's not your dad, but he is your dad. And I was like, oh, great. I spoke to my dad about it, and we know there's a chance that he isn't. But I look very similar to him, and, and I choose my narrative, and I choose to believe that story, and I can believe that story for my entire life, and I do. I want, which is very rational for them to go, we are having nothing to do with you, have gone too far. Yeah. And it's hurtful that there is no too far from yeah. families, but that's not realistic. They can have those relationships yeah. and it doesn't impact on the relationship they have for me, and that's mine to impact.
then I think it's so hard, isn't it, that people, you know, I'm really sorry for what you've been through there. It sounds really horrific. And also having that history messed with in that way of knowing who you are and who, like, you know, who your father is and having that coming into a manipulative kind of pattern is really, really tough. And I do think there is that point where you do want other people, especially when you're a lot younger, to go, oh, this was too much. This is too far. Look, this is unethical. And I know there's a problem here. And I was so longing for someone to help me because I could see it was all wrong and they could see it was all wrong but why wasn't anyone doing anything about it and I think as you say it's so very hard for people to draw their own boundaries and even though people may have their own sense of what their limits are in terms of what they'll tolerate I think there's then a very different thing about when people will actually say something get involved and actually intervene in the inverted commas in that sense But just to kind of bring it all back to Others Day, it just makes it all like, you know, it's really, really important that people do have a space to be able to think about the fact that, first of all, mums are rarely perfect. I mean, that whole idea of perfection is just insane because everybody's human, everyone's got history and everyone's going to be impacted by their history. So it's very, very rare that you're going to go perfectly into mothering. I think we have to accept everyone as human in that sense that some people really try their best and really, really try their best for their kids, but other people just don't try their best at all and just don't want to engage in that process of mothering Others Day is so important to then say why did you call it Others Day? Because it rhymes with Mother's Day (laughs) (laughs) Um, but also just because we were each other's other person in that time it was like we sort of did mother each other a little bit it's about having that other person who supported you and championed you and scooped you up in their arms and given you a little verbal hug every now and then that's part of it so for Others Day we always say you can share a picture of the person who supported you through those times. So, you know, for you, it might be your huge circle of friends who are really important to you. For me, it's usually Robin, because I can talk to you about anything. And it's also about creating that network and that safe space as well, and just giving people a little voice and a little moment to share. I would just say as well, it's nothing to do with taking away from mums. Like, if a mum is a great mum, absolutely celebrate her, celebrate that person, celebrate that relationship. But if it's not, and it hurts for you to see quote-unquote perfect mum marketing everywhere, there's a space for you to come and say, ouch. Yeah, <laughs> like the big sweeping generalisations of like, look at this perfect relationship. Mm. Like you said about cards, I wish there was like a thank you for just saying me card. <laughs> like, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a reminder, like, it's really tough. I think mm. it's hard for everyone involved, it's hard in whatever way you don't connect with that day mm-hmm. there's you're always guilt because there's always someone worse off you feel like oh well you know it's not that bad like mm-hmm. I feel guilt because my mum is alive and Emma's isn't which is irrational but I know mm-hmm. in a abstract sense there is one day in, in a world that doesn't exist me and my mum can reconnect Emma can't do that mm-hmm. and that makes me really sad and guilty because it's like well mm-hmm. I've still got the possibility and I think we all find ways to yeah. be like well could be worse but it's okay to be like yeah but it's shit so I can acknowledge that and I can give myself the self-care that I need without having to consider that it could be worse sometimes just look at your own situation and be like this hurts me so I can acknowledge that and it's okay to be not okay yeah it's okay to be not okay that's our that's our vibe (laughs) 
Yeah. I think it's absolutely okay to not be okay. It's a triggering time. It's like someone's put a day there. It was like, yeah. examine your mother, yeah. daughter, yeah. son relationship. Yeah, yeah. Open this box, Open yeah. this box today <laughs> and let's see. Let's yeah. see what you all find. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, you know, for the vast majority of people, they're not going to find a box of roses. Yeah. It is a really complex relationship. Yeah. And I think we need to embrace more the complexities of family relationships rather than idealising them consistently yeah. with days like this. So yeah. I think what you're doing is so, so important and just through the years of running standalone then I know on Mother's Day we just get so many people coming to us saying I'm really suffering today and this is a really difficult day for me and we also get a lot of people coming and saying as you say I don't feel like I've got the right to think this is a bad day because there's people that have lost their mums and there's people that you know are in a much worse situation but I would say that estrangement is like so so difficult it's not a grief that's a very different thing but it's very very hard it's a living loss because you know that somebody's alive and breathing somewhere yeah. doesn't mean that that isn't painful and yeah. difficult and traumatic and that sense of choice is almost like a poison chalice isn't yeah. it because you're like yeah there is that sense of choice but it's not yeah. really a choice because yeah. it's actually going to be a very harmful thing to be able to and I think for a lot of people maybe they are sat there wishing that they had something that was that really lovely functional fluffy mum daughter or son relationship yeah. like that's what a lot of people really want and yeah. so that can bring a lot of pain too so just quickly tell us what you're doing on Others Day that people may or may not be able to get involved so I should kind of premise here that we are um, recording this very bravely in person during the midst of the (laughs) coronavirus outbreak going here in London yeah (laughs) we have sterilised everything (laughs) just would like to let us know what you are planning this podcast is going out on Others Day so this is what you'll be listening to but what else can people get involved in Online, as always, we're doing our hashtag shares. So on Instagram, you can tag us at the crap flat and at almost everything off eBay. Use hashtag others day and you can share the person who's been your other through it all. So the person who's supported you, who's given you strength. You can share someone that you've lost or you can share your story. Share basically anything you want, anything that means something to you on that day. Yeah. And we will be online throughout the weekend. Well, look, I'm so, so pleased that you guys have got in touch and that we've been able to talk this morning. I think it's been a really... Yeah, so just tell me again what the handle is and we'll put it in the show notes, like, down. So it's hashtag Others Day. Hashtag Others Day. Yeah. Yeah. And then I am at the crap flat. Okay. And I am almost underscore everything underscore off underscore eBay. So that's at the crap flat and at almost underscore everything eBay. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're on Twitter as well, can you hashtag Others Day? Um, you can. We're, we're not on Twitter. I am. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, oh, there you go. You can talk that Yeah, one. do it. I'm Robin D3 on Twitter. I will probably in bulk reply to things, so feel so privileged that you share your stories and that you're honest with us and we are determined to get back to you because it's it a precious so thing to share yeah. that with someone and, and we feel very honoured to be in a position that we can facilitate those kind of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the best of luck and thanks for listening, guys. So, yeah, this has been a little special edition of the Standalone Podcast with me, Becca, and with Robin and Emma from Others Day. Please do get online with at UK Standalone on Twitter and we'll be hooking into Others Day as well. You can share your stories with us too and we will be all working together. Happy Mother's Day to you all and please do something really nice for yourself. If you're not buying your mum a box of chocolates or roses, please go and buy yourself a box of chocolates and some roses. Be the parent you deserve. 
be the parent to yourself and honour your own parenting because I think for many of you you will have had to have parented yourselves for a long long time and for those parents out there that are estranged from their children yes this is also a really really difficult day and so do go and buy yourself the roses and the chocolates that you deserve and want to or a large resplendent hat yes (laughs) some retail therapy but yeah I suppose the um, the message is please look after yourself be kind this is a day for kind messages to yourself whatever situation you're in with estrangement all right thanks very much guys thank you Standalone is a really small charity. Becca started the charity seven years ago and has built it up to what it is now, supporting people in six different UK locations through support groups and also running a national campaign for estranged students to get them more support and visibility in their higher education process. Standalone have done such a huge amount in a short time but what they really need to ensure that they're around in the long term and that they can scale properly is donations from people like you. If you support charities, you'll know that there are bigger charities that ask for donations all the time. On television, billboards, on the tube, on the bus, and they have really big campaigns. This is great, but As a small charity, Standalone can't afford to do those kinds of campaigns. So we are asking you, our committed listeners who are impacted by this issue, to support the charity. If you can set up a monthly donation of just five or ten pounds, it makes a huge difference to what Standalone can do for you and other people affected by estrangement. If you go to their Just Giving site, which is linked in the podcast show notes, justgiving.com forward slash standalone. Then you can make a one-off donation and also set up a monthly donation if you're able to. Your funds go a really long way to supporting people with this niche issue. A lot of people think that support should just be with them, but it's only with the help of genuine contributors that Standalone can reach and support as many people as possible. Please do consider giving a monthly donation to Standalone or giving a one-off donation on the Just Giving site. Thank you. And as always, if you have any thoughts to share with us about this podcast series, then please do so. The easiest way to get in touch with us would be via the Twitter, which is at UKStandAlone. You can sign up for, or look out for, the newsletter soon, for your chance to give constructive feedback about the Standalone podcast. As we move forward into the second season, new episodes will be launching in the summer. And if you'd like to get involved and share your experiences of estrangement, you can do so via the Standalone newsletter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Standalone UK podcast. I hope that you have a really terrific Mother's Day or a really terrific Other's Day. <laughs>